You're listening to the Telltale Channel. If you like what I do and you want to see me continue to do it, don't forget to check out my Patreon. And take a look at my other YouTube channels too. You can find some ad-free, uncensored, complete versions of my videos on my website, owenmorgan.com. And while you're there, don't forget to sign up for my email list to get early access to everything I release. All links are in the description. In this podcast, we're going to talk about Pastor and Congressman Jason Rapert proudly announcing that he's a Christian nationalist. The origins of Kenneth Copeland's ideology, prosperity gospel. Where did this come from? Televangelist Jim Baker getting upset that he's being mocked for the many, many scams he runs on his audience. We also take voicemails. If you want to leave a voicemail, the number is 1-800-701-8573. If you want to contact me through text, you can do it by going to my website, owenmorgan.com. In the top, you'll see a contact me button. Just click that puppy there, or you can go to owenmorgan.com mailbag. Send me a message. While you're on my website, though, check it out. I've got some cool stuff on there. It lists every video I've ever released, and there's some stuff on there that won't release for weeks still. So if you want early access to my videos, that's a good place to get it. Check out this clip from Jehovah's Witnesses from the early 1970s, all the way back then. They believed the end would be here by 1975. Listen to this. Well, now, as Jehovah's Witnesses, as runners... Even though some of us have become a little weary, it almost seems as though Jehovah has provided meat in due season because he's held up before all of us a new goal, a new year, something to reach out for, and it just seems has given all of us so much more energy and power in this final burst of speed for the finish line. And that's the year 1975. As one brother put it, stay alive to 75. This was a position endorsed directly by the leadership of Jehovah's Witnesses for years and years. Stay alive to 75. It was their catchphrase. Well, eventually they went on to erase any mentions of 1975 from their books. Unfortunately for them, old copies were found in apostates houses people who had left the religion behind and were critical of it now so they started telling their people to burn their old literature dead serious so that stuff like this didn't leak out anyways the reason i wanted to talk about it is because i got a voicemail from somebody that relates to all of this so let's give this voicemail a listen see what they had to say hi this is bethany from cleveland ohio um I'm just wondering, I know that Jehovah's Witnesses have predicted that the world would end multiple times, I think like in the 1970s, and obviously it didn't. What do they do with those failed predictions? Love your show. I hope you answer this question. Thanks. Bye. Yeah, I appreciate the phone call. Really interesting question. 1975 was probably their most notorious because it was in reasonably modern times, right? Other predictions that they made were a long time ago, like in the 1800s. Or 1913, 1914, 1919, 1922, and 25. They made a whole bunch in the early days. But there's really not much they can do to deny or excuse away their predictions from 1975. So now they tell their people to burn the literature, get rid of any mentions of anything older than a certain date. And if you need access to something that's old, you can access it on their Watchtower Library online. They control production of 
all of their old stuff, and you don't need access to it. If you do need access to it, they will grant you access. That's kind of the idea. So yeah, it's really interesting to see them squirm when stuff like that releases, but uh, I don't know. I think it's fascinating. Let me know what you think about it in the comments. Hi, Owen. Um, I am. I reside in PA, and I had learned that PA had subpoenaed the records of all of Jehovah's Witnesses' congregations since 1987. Um, maybe that had to do something with one of the leaders stepping down. Um, I'm not sure. Maybe you could look into it more and have a say on it. Thanks. Bye. Yeah, I appreciate the phone call. It's a really interesting question. So if you're watching this five years in the future, Tony Morris, one of the governing body members of Jehovah's Witnesses, just got kicked out of the governing body. We don't know if he did it willingly. We don't know if he was fired or what but he's no longer a governing body member, which is a really big deal. This has only happened a total of two other times, I think, maybe just one other time in history. And this last one, I think, happened in like 1980. It's really, really big. It's a huge shakeup within Jehovah's Witnesses. So there's some speculation about why this happened, right? Like what led to him being removed for the go from the governing body? And Again, this is just speculation, so take all of this with a grain of salt. Some speculate it's because of what's happening in Pennsylvania right now that Toni Morris maybe helped cover some of this stuff up. The Pennsylvania Attorney General is investigating Jehovah's Witnesses, and it's getting real right now. This is from February 2023, I believe. We're good? Well, good morning, everyone. We are here today to announce that the 49th investigative grand jury has voted on and approved presentments for five individuals who have committed sexual abuse against children throughout Pennsylvania. These cases, as all of them are, are disturbing and sad. But this one in particular digs deeper, because in this case, all of the defendants and all of the victims come from the same religious organization, the Jehovah Witnesses. Some of these defendants even use their faith communities to prey upon the victims, and others had to look no further than their own families. So this is a big deal, a really big deal. This is being talked about all over ex-Jehovah's Witness world right now. And Tony Morris stepping down or being fired or whatever from the governing body comes at a really suspiciously convenient time when this stuff is unfolding. Like a week or two after he leaves the governing body, these indictments come out. So I don't know. Like I said, it's all speculation. We don't know. But there is some convenient timing there, so let me know what you think. Got a message from David on my email system, my contact me form, which can be accessed from my website, owenmorgan.com. There's a contact me button along the top. That's how David contacted me in this case, and he sent me a link 
to a BBC article titled Hamburg Shooting Seven Killed in Attack on Jehovah's Witness Hall. This is really devastating information. From what we understand, it's, you know, the news is still unfolding, but it sounds like it was an ex-Jehovah's Witness who did it. I have to say I completely disavow this. I would never, ever endorse anything like this. This is just really sad all the way around. It's just heartbreaking. Let's read the article. Seven people, including an unborn baby, have been killed in an attack on Jehovah's Witness meeting hall in the German city of Hamburg, police say. They say the gunman acted alone in Thursday's attack and later took his own life. His motives are unknown. The suspect, named only as Philip F., is said to have had ill feelings toward the religious community, of which he'd previously been a member. Videos emerged appearing to show him firing through a window of the hall. At a briefing on Friday, the police said four men and two women lost their lives. All the dead were German nationals. Eight people were injured, four seriously. A Ugandan and Ukrainian were among those hurt. You know, Jehovah's Witnesses, as an organization, not as individual people, is absolutely terrible in every way. It's a destructive organization that intentionally sets out to ruin people's lives if they try to leave it. This is stated in their doctrine. If people leave, you must withdraw support from them entirely. You must stop talking to them. And if you don't stop talking to them, then you'll lose your connections to everybody you ever knew and loved, too. It's deeply destructive, but that doesn't excuse this type of behavior. There's no excuse for it. Aside from the fact that I don't stand for violence under any circumstances, I mean, that, that's all I really need to say, right? All I need to say is I don't stand for it, period. But if you need a reason to not do something like this, let me give you a logical reason in addition to just standing against violence. Here's the logic. How many people in this kingdom hall that were attacked were physically in the religion but mentally out of it and only going for the sake of reconnecting with their family members? How many people lost their lives absolutely senselessly? How many people could you how many people's lives could you have ruined for absolutely no reason? You think that the Jehovah's Witnesses at this Hamburg, Germany Kingdom Hall are the source of your problems? They started as victims of mind control and it ended as victims of violence. There's no excuse for this type of thing. Logically speaking, though I don't need a logical reason to denounce this, this didn't help anybody. In fact, it only fueled, it only poured fuel on the persecution complex that the Watchtower Society already builds into their people. So, thanks for nothing to the attacker. Thanks for nothing. Fa of the Q-Tube family, have you heard about what's happening at the Kingdom Hall in Germany? Heard he was an XJW, maybe snapped when shunned. Yep, I heard. So, so sorry to hear about this. Uh, there was an attack in Hamburg, Germany, I think. I was going to talk about this later. Might as well talk about it now. An ex-Jehovah's Witness went on a rampage, apparently, and hit a kingdom hall. And I think there are six or maybe seven dead. I don't... I'm not super clear in the details. The, you know, nobody deserves this. Nobody. I don't wish death on anybody. I don't hate anybody for anything ever, okay? But 
if you need a little more motivation to see this as the evil that it is, just think about the fact that it could have been me in there. It just as easily could have been you. As a matter of fact, how many people didn't believe it anymore, but were just going so that they could regain access to a relationship with their family members. And they show up at the Kingdom Hall to try to rebuild the relationship with their family members, only to have it all taken away. How many ex-Jehovah's Witnesses were attempting to rebuild a relationship with the ones that died? This doesn't help anybody. It's truly, deeply devastating. And I'm so sorry to hear that Jehovah's Witnesses, that, I'm sorry, that the Jehovah's Witnesses in that Kingdom Hall suffered the way that they did. This is international news, too, because this type of event does not happen outside the U.S. I know this happens constantly in the U.S., almost never in Europe. So it's all over the place right now. Again, I'm really sorry to hear what happened at that Kingdom Hall. It doesn't help anybody. And Jehovah's Witnesses, to top all of that off, the, the organization is going to use this to fuel their persecution complex for, hell, the rest of time, probably. Where, in reality, there's no reason to think that this is the result of persecution. Uh, you know, hatred or whatever. Nobody deserves to be attacked this way. Nobody. I just wanted to put that on record. That being said, Jehovah's Witnesses, as an organization, still deserve to be criticized and still need to be called out for the wrongs that they perpetrate on society. So I'm not backing off. I'm going to continue to talk about the issues, you know, surrounding Jehovah's Witnesses, despite what happened in Hamburg, Germany. But my hearts go out to the family members of the people that died in Hamburg, Germany. I'm so sorry to hear that. Nobody deserves that. And if you have ever considered something like this, please talk to somebody about it. This this is not helpful, not going to help the movement, not good, and there's something wrong if these thoughts cross your mind. Anyway, thanks for the super chat. I appreciate that. There's like a split in the Jehovah's Witness community where, you know, one half, or not half, but a small subset of ex-Jehovah's Witnesses want to be extremists and believe that this is deserved and stuff like that. And it's just sad, man. It's just straight up sad. Budman Buds, welcome. Curious, can you come back to JW's once this fellowship? Yes, it's called being reinstated, and the process is arduous. You basically have to continue to attend meetings completely separated from everybody else, not allowed to talk to them. They're not allowed to talk to you. They're not allowed to even look at you. Uh, You have to do that for one year, 12 months. Every single meeting you attend... Every single meeting, you underline your watchtower and you read your your literature and study everything, everything for 12 months, and then they'll review. My brother went through that review process three times. Three years he did this. And, well, I guess two years because the third review. So anyway, he did this for some really long period of time, and uh, they never reinstated him. They never let him back in. Why not? Got me. Best thing that ever happened to him, though, in my opinion, not getting reinstated. Anyway, I've thought about going back and getting reinstated just so that I could have a relationship with my mom. And then I realized, oh, yeah, my mom is 
absolutely fucking terrible. Why would I want to do that? <laughs> I haven't, you know, none of my other family don't talk to me because of Jehovah's Witnesses. They don't talk to me for other reasons, like the fact that I'm to the left of hunting the homeless for sport. They won't talk to me for that reason. They're on the right, a lot of them. My mother's counting down the hours right now, and I can't go see her. I can only do video calls. Losing family members sucks. Yep. That is really rough. I'm really sorry to hear that. That's how it is, right? Yeah, losing family sucks. I didn't, I, you know, I, I think it had been years since I'd seen Sue. I think it was years. I just, I, I, after everything that happened with West Virginia, I wasn't comfortable going out there. And, you know, there are extremist Trumpist nutcases looking for me out there, you know, waiting for me to show up threatening to burn my house down and threatening me with guns and everything. It had been years since I'd seen her, but I did talk to her. And uh, last time I talked to her, she told me she loved me, and I told her that too, so that's what really counts, right? She'll continue on in my memories forever. They say when you, when somebody in your family dies, you should do one of two things, or both. You should find two ways to honor them. One physical way, one physical reminder of who they were. A picture, a hat that they wore, a blanket, I don't know, a, a scarf, something, something that reminds you of who they are. You should keep one item and you should work in one tradition that they taught you. One specific thing that they did in their lives that you really put a lot of value in. You know, Sue was generous. Sue would give you the shirt off of her back, to her detriment even. She would do anything for anybody. And if I incorporate that into my life and pass that tradition down to other people, to my kid, my kid might carry that on to their kid and so on and so forth. They say you die twice. Once when somebody, uh, once when you take your last breath, and once when somebody says your name for the very last time. But you can extend that life that that person that meant so much to you has by working a tradition into your life that you can pass down to the people in your life. And by doing so, you will guarantee their effect on the people around you forever until the end of time. Sue will affect everybody in my family for the next 15 generations because I'm going to do everything I can to make sure that the people in my life understand how important some of these qualities are. So keep a physical object, pass down a value, and then keep a specific tradition. Like she used to play something called gag gifts for Christmas, you know, where everybody takes a number and the last number gets a gift first, and they're just cheap, tacky little $2 items, you know. And if you want, you can steal somebody's item and they get a new gift, or you can pick a new gift, and it goes all the way down until you get to number one. That is a tradition that I could pass on that I only ever played with Sue. So find a tradition, find a value, and find a physical item, and make sure that those things carry on to the end of time. That's how I deal with death. Hope things work out for you, real pumpkin Jay. I, I know what it feels like. I do. I know exactly what it feels like. It's not fun. Zinka Cat, my grandpa passed away six years ago. He was the only father I've ever known, and he taught me to learn something new every day. 
And that is a tradition or a value or both, I guess, that you can pass on to somebody else, right? That you can pass on to the people in your life. And by doing so, your grandfather will live on. When my dad died, I was, uh, he I'm sorry, he was cremated. So I decided to turn his ashes into a deep red perfumed ink to write and make art with. Maybe it's too good for him, but it's not about him. It's about me. Wow, that's really interesting. I know. My dad, when he died, he didn't even get a funeral. He didn't even get a memorial service. Nobody cared enough to give him that. And, uh, you know, I, I've had my problems with my dad, too, obviously. He's been the source of a lot of pain and difficulty in my life. But, like you said, it's about you, not about him, right? And that would have been a good gesture for my dad. Maybe I would have done something like that if I had the option. I do have a little vial of my dad's ashes. It's small. It's just a little thing that goes on a necklace. It's in my headboard. I see spin. Psychologically, I don't buy annoying ad products. Yeah, I never click on ads either, uh, literally ever, but there are people out there that click them. And every time you click an ad on my channel or my website or my whatever, it's, you know, it, it gives me money. It, like, it sends me money every time someone clicks it, so. Or even sees it. Even seeing the ad sends me, like, a, you know, a portion of what the ad buyer or ad seller sent to Google. Does YouTube Premium work against your ad revenue? Uh, YouTube Premium pays out a portion. So I think it's up to, what, $15 a month now. I get a proportional percentage of whatever YouTube made from your subscription for watching my video. So if you watch, I don't know, 15 videos one month and you paid $15, YouTube gets $0.55, cents, I get $0.45, cents, or the other way around, something like that. Ads are more lucrative for a YouTube channel, but generally speaking, premium is just as good. I have premium also for YouTube. I mean, it makes sense for me because YouTube is my life. Next, we're going to talk about pastor and congressman Jason Rapert proudly announcing that he's a Christian nationalist. We'll be right back. Don't forget to check out my Patreon and check out my website and email list for early access to uncensored, ad-free, complete videos. All links are in the description. When you see people like Joe Biden taking taking advantage of position and enriching his family like he has done. He hasn't done that, but okay, go on. And enriching his family like he has done. It's time to take him out. This is Jason Rapert, ex-congressman. He's a senator from Arkansas. I guess he's a uh, pastor now. This video came out not too long ago, actually. And this is on his televangelist TV show, I guess. He runs a, a televangelist program. That is as close to stochastic terrorism as you can get, right? I mean, that's a, a very clear example of him calling for Joe Biden to be taken out. The, his words, not mine. Well, this guy is actually a pretty influential figure in the right-wing evangelical Christian movement. And he was singled out by the Rolling Stone, the magazine, the Rolling Stone recently, as one of the sources of extreme Christian nationalism in the United States. So I want to talk about it. Let's talk about who he is, what the Rolling Stone article had to say, and if it was accurate and what his reaction was to it. 
First, let me give you a, a little bit more of a formed out idea of who he is. Check this out. This is August 2nd, 2022. He was on this program called Flashpoint, which is on Kenneth Copeland's Victory Network. So the show is owned and operated by Kenneth Copeland, but the host is a guy named Gene Bailey. He's another televangelist. I think that's who this guy's about to talk to. The attorney general told me, he said, Jason, you're being uh, deposed. You're under command of subpoena. You're demanded to appear before these five litigants, the American Atheists, the American Humanists, the Freedom from Religion Foundation, the ACLU, and the Satanic Temple. Yeah, those people, God, if you if those people are coming after you, then there's you've done something really wrong. The ACLU is coming after him. If the ACLU is coming after you, you have violated somebody's civil liberties, first of all. And second, I, I'm not sure what case he's talking about, but I know American atheists did sue him fairly recently for discriminating against atheists. Now, it... I think the case might have been dropped because he lost his election, so it was pointless anyways. I don't think American atheists could have continued on with it if they wanted. I think the judge dismissed it because there were no grounds to bring it anymore. But I wish the case had gone forward anyways to establish precedent. Anyway, uh, so he's talking about these five groups, FFRF, Satanic Temple, American Atheist, ACLU, and another one, right? and how they're coming after him, quote-unquote. What he means is their rights were infringed by him as a member of Congress, as a senator, and he's upset by that. Foundation, the ACLU and the Satanic Temple all at the same time. Wow. And I told him when it happened, I said, well, you know what? It sounds like God's just gathering them all up to take them out at once. That statement is absolutely psychotic. Who would say something like that? God is trying to get the members of these groups, American Atheists, ACLU, and all these others, into a room so that he can kill them all? Is that, like, the point that he's trying to get at? That is some dark shit, dude. What is wrong with this guy? Really? So they are fighting us, and what they're trying to do is break a Christian lawmaker like myself. I'm not the only one. Right. Any of us that raise our voice, what they do is they swarm. No, it's not you raising your voice that's the problem. Go nuts. You've been talking about Christianity for like your entire life. Nobody cares if you raise your voice about this. What we care about is when you violate other people's civil liberties, when you take our rights away from us. That's the problem. In favor of his own rights, in favor of Christian rights, you're elevating people from your in-group, your privileged group, you're elevating them up to be above everybody else. That's the issue here. Like a swarm of locusts, which is very biblical, yeah. to come in and do their best to silence our voices because that's what they want to stop. No, no, no one's trying to stop him from saying whatever he wants. He's trying to turn this into a free speech issue. It's really a civil rights issue. He's trampling all over the rights of marginalized groups intentionally and knowingly and is trying to get away with it, hoping that he will get away with it. It's just disgusting, dude. So anyway, that's Jason Rapert. Quite a name, right? For good measure, let's just listen to like the whole context behind that clip from the intro. This is early February 2023 when he said this. Uh, it was about Joe Biden enriching himself and all that other stuff. Listen to what he says here. 
Would you see people like Joe Biden taking taking advantage of position and enriching his family like he He has not done that. That's completely made up. This is like a conspiracy theory fever dream with about Hunter Biden's laptop and stuff. Like it's completely made up, all of it. And enriching his family like he has done. As if Trump didn't do that, right? It's time to take them out. Take them out. Remove them. Move them on. Like, does it get any more obvious than this, really? This is just straight up wrong, dude. It's time to take authority. It's time to take authority over everything in the earth to make a difference. This is called stochastic terrorism. If you're not familiar with the term, it's the idea that somebody can talk to a group of, say, a million listeners, right? And if only 1% of those million listeners become motivated enough to do something crazy, like, you know, appear at, like, the White House with a gun or something like that, and only 1% of that 1% has like the weaponry needed and an even further one percent of that one percent has a car and the weaponry and the motivation to do it even that small fraction of a fraction of a fraction is still multiple hundreds of people depending on how big the audience is and, and other factors like that that's stochastic terrorism it's the fact that he's demonizing somebody to the point that it's statistically likely that some lone nut is going to hear what he says and be motivated to try to do something about it. We saw Donald Trump exercise his power of stochastic terrorism against Congress on January 6th. Donald Trump used his power and fame and money and influence to get thousands of gullible suckers to show up there and break into the Capitol and attempt to stop the proceedings, which resulted in at least one of Donald Trump's followers dying, being killed because of what was happening. That's stochastic terrorism. And we can see this happening like all over the place. Like uh, Boston Children's Hospital has been the target of stochastic terrorism too. That's what he's doing right now. He may not be coming out and directly saying, I want you to get your gun and blah, blah, blah. He may not be saying that directly, but the way that stochastic terrorists phrase things is done in a very intentional, specific way. Now, is what he's doing here intentional? I I think so, but it's just a guess. It's hard to know for sure if that's what he intends or not. So anyways, let's talk about him getting on the cover of the Rolling Stone magazine. This is the cover right here, the Christian nationalist machine turning hate into law. So I wanted to take a look at it, but before we do, listen to what he had to say in response to being put on the front here. I want to start right off the top with you, uh, Senator Raper, because, you know, people live... This is a bad name, right? Like, who came up with this surname for this family? You know, most people come up with this name at some point along the line, right? This name hasn't existed for 7,000 years. Who decided to name themselves Rapert as a last name? You know, a lot of people name themselves after their parents. Anderson or John's son, right? Johnson, Anderson. 
or they'll name themselves after like their occupation, Tyler or Mason or whatever. You don't think that's maybe how he ended up with his last name, do you? I don't know. Just something to knock around. Anyway, keep listening to this dude. Senator Raper, because, you know, people live their whole life hoping one day that if they do things right and they're successful, they'll make it to the cover of the Rolling Stone. And, th- and well, here you are. Look at this. Yeah. The, your Christian nationalist machine turning hate into law. I had no idea you were doing all that. These folks that are writing this, they're just trying to sensationalize. That's correct. And I could just imagine the liberal coffee table that they sat around and they said, what can we do to begin to demonize Christians in the country? Oh, absolutely. Definitely. Yeah, they're trying to demonize Christians, right? It's not that Jason Rapert has intentionally set out to control people in the United States and force them to live their life the way that he wants them to. Couldn't be that, right? I mean, he he's open about that, by the way. This is not speculation. This is something that he openly says he wants to do. He wants to force people around him to live life the way that he wants them to live it. It has to be about him being persecuted, right? So let's just take a look at this article real quick. The Christian nationalist machine turning hate into law. This is the Rolling Stone article about Jason Raper. Jason Rapert has likened himself... I really want to enunciate that T so that YouTube doesn't think that I'm saying something else and try to demonetize it. Jason Rapert has likened himself to an Old Testament seer conveying hard truths on behalf of an angry God. On his broadcast, Save the Nation, the 50-year-old preacher and former Arkansas state senator calls himself a proud Christian nationalist, insisting, I reject that being a Christian nationalist is somehow unseemly or wrong. That's really interesting because in a second you're going to hear them deny the title of Christian nationalist, refuse to accept that Christian nationalist is a real thing, even though it very definitely and most obviously is. I mean, he's calling himself a Christian nationalist. Long a shadowy force in American politics, Christian nationalism is having a coming out party. The movement seeks a fusion of fundamentalist theology with American civic life. They believe, quote, they believe that this country was founded for Christians like them, generally natural born citizens and white, says Andrew Whitehead, author of Taking America Back for God, Christian Nationalism in the United States. Whitehead emphasizes that the danger of Christian nationalism to democracy is that the movement sees no room for compromise. Their vision must be the one that comes to pass. Yeah, Barry Goldwater, I believe, uh, I think he was like, what do you call like a presidential candidate at one point in the 60s or 70s and he famously said if christians ever come to power which they're trying to do we're all in a lot of shit again this guy was like a right winger this is before christianity had firmly entrenched itself in the republican party the way that it has now so barry goldwater said that it would be a bad thing if christianity took hold of the republican party the way they intended to because There is no compromise. There's no room for compromise with these people. They'll do whatever it takes to take control, and they won't work with others no matter what because they want you as a member of the LGBT community, as an atheist or whatever, dead or out of their purview, out of their country, out of their way of life. That being said, they fully intend to take over the world. 
I'm quoting them. I'm quoting Gene Bailey when I say that. Gene Bailey, dude on the left, has said, we intend to take over the world. Tony Perkins from the Family Research Council has said, we intend to take over the world for the kingdom. Anyway, that's basically what the article says. Thanks to Rapert, the Christian nationalist movement now commands a burgeoning political powerhouse, the National Association of Christian Lawmakers. A first-of-its-kind organization in, the, in U.S. history, NACL advances biblical legislation in America's state houses. These bills are not mere stunts or messaging. They're dark, freedom-limiting bills that, in some cases, have become law. NACL's impact has already been felt nationally. The group played a significant role in the legal fight. You know what annoys the fucking shit out of me? When I'm reading something and ads load to a different place on the screen and it completely changes the orientation of everything on the screen. Or when the screen's not completely loaded yet and I'm trying to click a fucking button and then it finishes loading and drops the buttons like, you know, way, way further down than I was clicking. And then I click on some other random shit. That is so annoying to me. Okay. They should disable links until the entire page is loaded, or they should place the links where they will most likely be by the time it's loaded. Or, oh, in addition to all of that, they should also load ads and keep the container for the ad exactly the same. It's the same size no matter how big or small the ad is. That ad stays there forever. That shit is so annoying. Anyway, got off on a tangent there. Sorry. Let's keep reading here. NACL's impact has already been felt nationally. The group played a significant role in the legal fight that culminated in the Supreme Court overturning Roe v. Wade. NACL member Brian Hughes, who serves in the Texas legislature, led passage of SB 8, a bounty hunter bill, that all but outlawed abortion in Texas by allowing private citizens to sue women who terminate pregnancies after six weeks and their doctors in civil court. Now, I don't know if this bill is connected to the one I'm about to tell you about, but there's a new Texas bill just came out. I don't know if it's passed yet. I I don't know who submitted it or if it's an executive order or what, but there is a bill currently in Texas that basically outlaws anybody from doing something entertaining while in public while dressed as the opposite gender basically than the one that they were born as so and it's like a bounty hunting system also just like the abortion thing so texas says that you can be paid five thousand dollars for turning somebody in who dresses as the opposite gender than the one that they were born as and does something entertaining in public. Rip every female comedian in Texas who likes to wear pants. Not good, people. Not good. Not good at all. Use ad block. I could, but this is incognito mode. And I, you know what? I prefer to support people. I would rather support people, you know? I'm okay with paying the, the cost. Not everybody can. Not everyone can afford it or, or whatever else. And that's okay. I get it. But when at all possible, I want to support people's work. Even the Rolling Stone, you know? So, I'm okay with ads. And of course, you know, as somebody on YouTube, I can't possibly denounce ads, so. All right, so, and now we've read that article. We got an idea for what it was all about. Let's keep listening to what they had to say about it here. We're doing all that. These folks that are writing this, they're just trying to sensationalize. That's correct. And I could just imagine the liberal coffee table. 
Let's sensationalize what? No, no, all of that was absolutely accurate and correct. What specific thing did he have an issue with? He said that he's a Christian nationalist. Those are his words. He likes being called a Christian nationalist. He identifies as one. I don't understand. What, what's his issue? What was sensational about it? In the liberal coffee table that they sat around and they said, what can we do to begin to demonize Christians in the country? And okay, it's not Christians that I have a problem with at all. I mean, there are Christians watching this right now. It's not Christians. It's Christian extremists. It's Christian nationalists that everybody should have a problem with, up to and including other Christians. Everybody should recognize this as the societally damaging evil that it is, the concept of Christian nationalism. Christians and atheists and, and every other religion out there should band together to stamp out the concept of Christian nationalism and make Christian nationalists like this guy fully understand that his ideology is not welcome in government. It's fucking disturbing. I believe they absolutely decided to use the term white supremacist, white nationalist, and try to figure a way to do this. They didn't use those words at any point in that article, to my knowledge. Where is he getting that? Um, there was a guy named Whitehead in the article who wrote a book called Taking America Back for God. Is that what he's talking about? There's no other mention of white in this entire article aside from where it says generally natural born citizens and white. That's who the Christian nationalist movement, you know, stands for and, and wants to promote. Christians like them, generally natural born and white. Yeah, there's nothing in here about white nationalism or white supremacy. He didn't say a word about that. The NACL logo, which is apparently the organization that uh, Jason Rapert started. And by the by, uh, Gene Bailey, the guy talking to him, is on their board, for what it's worth. Apparently, the NACL was started by Rapert. So the logo is a crusader's shield, red emblazoned with a white cross. Does it get more on the nose than that, dude? That is some disturbing shit right there, for real. White nationalist and try to figure a way to do this. They never said that. And so this is the hit that they've put out against you. They've put out against every single conservative Christian in the country. Oh, so, God, this, you know what this reminds me of? This reminds me of that meme of Donald Trump. This meme is a perfect example of propaganda. In reality, they're not after me, they're after you. I'm just in the way. This is a meme that Donald Trump himself spread around social media like forever ago. It's like an inspirational type of thing. And from what I can tell, interestingly enough, if you can believe this, Bibi Netanyahu actually has a, a similar meme. Same format, same everything. I'm assuming that it says the same thing. I can't read Hebrew, but yeah, I, I'm guessing that's what it says. Fascinating, isn't it? Fascinating how they copy the same stuff that they believe works. The same propaganda, just copied and pasted across fascist regimes. Super interesting. Anyways, yeah, that's what he's saying here, because that sense of loyalty, brotherhood, and camaraderie builds people up and makes them true believers for the rest of their lives. Makes them willing to crawl over broken glass to do whatever it takes to solve your problems.
out against you. They've put out against every single conservative Christian in the country. And I want people to know, don't run from the fact that 93% of the signers of the Declaration of Independence were clearly Christians. Now, this is a lie that is made up by David Barton primarily. There were a lot of self-identifying Christians in, you know, you know, what, 300 years ago, whenever it was. Lots and lots of self-identifying Christians. But David Barton claims that they had seminary degrees, like all but one or two signers of the Declaration of Independence had seminary degrees, something like that. When in reality, that's a complete misrepresentation of the situation. Thomas Jefferson One of the founding fathers, one of the most prominent founding fathers, one of the early presidents, even one of the people that helped write the Constitution was a founder of the Enlightenment movement. He didn't even believe in all of this magical nonsense. He had what he called the Jefferson Bible, where he cut out every mention of anything magical in the Bible, the Jefferson Bible. The founding fathers and America overall were were very much in favor of and built upon the ideas of the Enlightenment, the idea that critical thinking and logic and reason should be all we need to build a government. But, you know, he doesn't care. He's just going to lie about it. He's just going to make it up. We're clearly Christians. It was articulated that they were. They were Christians and they were patriotic. They loved America. They were nationalists. Okay. Patriotism and nationalism are two different things. Patriotism is loving your country. Nationalism is loving your country and hating every other country and doing whatever it takes to make the others fail so that yours comes out on top. Nationalism, a strong sense of nationalism, is commonly linked to fascism. For example, uh, Hitler's regime was very famously nationalist. They leaned into nationalism heavily. That's why it's so weird for you know, these people to pick the word nationalist, lean into it, like that word, identify with it. Christian nationalists, they love it. That is literally the word that Hitler used. Why are you choosing that word? Bizarre. And so I don't run from the term at all, Gene, and it doesn't bother me. And you know what? I'm just glad that they know that we're serious about saving the nation. Wow. So I guess he's embracing Christian nationalism. Once again, that's what the article was about. The fact that this dude is embracing Christian nationalism, that's the that was the point of the article. What why was he throwing a fit over it? It was accurate then, right? Just insane. Well, check this out. This is from the same video, right? They did this hour long program just a couple of minutes after Jason Rapert's. Oh, God, I can't get over that name. Just a, a few minutes after his interview this guy luke ball comes on luke ball as it turns out is a staffer for matt gates madison cawthorn and others he is a prominent far-right extremist congressman staff member that does various different things for the congressman he's also apparently the founder and ceo of right life media i have no idea what that is the gold standard in conservative media wow This is him right here. Jesus Christ, dude. Just five years now, I started making videos when I was in high school for political campaigns. Okay, interesting. Well, let's see what his YouTube channel looks like. Luke Ball. Campaigns. I've worked. 35 subbies, huh? Wow. He's coming along. 35 subbies. That's impressive. 
Really, really good job there, Luke. Love it. Love it, buddy. You're doing it, bud. Keep chugging along. Anyway. <laughs> Who am I to talk shit? I I'm not like that big. My YouTube channel is, you know, not humongous, so I can't talk shit about how small someone's channel is. Anyway. So that's Luke Ball. Let's listen to what he had to say. March 2nd, 2023 is just a few minutes after that Rapert interview. Oh, yeah. A uh, little lead up to this video before we, we listen. He was talking about uh, student debt relief, how right now the Supreme Court is reviewing a case that will determine if Biden is legally allowed to forgive student debt. Uh, he's trying to forgive like ten thousand or twenty thousand dollars in student loan debt, depending on various different factors. So, uh, yeah, Luke Ball does not like that very much. Let's listen. It's honestly the birth pains of socialism. When somebody goes and takes out all of these loans and pursues their education, fine, that's their prerogative. But why should I be paying for somebody's gender studies? you know, queer Eskimo degree over here, they took out hundreds of thousands of dollars to get whenever I decided to go to college and pay off my own debts the right way, because this is a personal issue for me. This is my generation. I went to a college that I could afford. I paid my way through it. I was able to graduate debt-free. I don't believe him. I don't believe him for a second. What school did he go to? Either he was independently wealthy or his parents paid it off for him instead of him having to pay it off or he got a loan from somebody else or something. You cannot, you cannot go to school and work your way through college in today's environment. It's not possible. You know how much college costs? Somewhere in the ballpark of $15,000 a year on the low end. Fifteen grand a year, okay? Do you know what minimum wage pays right now? What is that, Seven twenty-five right now? That's $15,000 a year as it happens. 15000 a year is what minimum wage pays. Now, granted, most people are making 15000 or I'm sorry, $15 an hour at this moment, or not even most probably, but many are making $15 an hour. Like McDonald's, I think, is now paying 15 an hour. So is Burger King, Taco Bell. There are a lot of places that are paying 15 an hour on the entry level, right? So that's $31,000 a year right? Subtract some for taxes. Of course, you won't have to pay those taxes, but you'll get them back at the end of the year in a return. Those That money does still have to go to the government temporarily, though. So you're actually really making about 28000 a year, uh, minus the fifteen grand a year it takes to go to college, plus, what, 1000 a year for books, maybe? 500 to to 1000 right? You're left with about $12,000 a year. And, you know, and what is rent up to right now? $1,000 a month? Uh, $800 a month for like a two bedroom in some areas. This dude did not pay his way through college unless he was already wealthy. His parents paid it for him or he took out massive student loans. This is a blatant, bald faced, flat out lie. And this dude is a propagandist for the right. Always has been. And I did it because I chose to make a financial decision that would set me on the right path. I don't see anywhere in scripture either where it says that we are supposed to, as a government, pay off everybody else's debts. You know, we talk about this element of forgiveness, and that's what the left likes to throw back at us sometimes. Wow, that's really interesting. No, let me just here. Let's just step back. Listen to one more time. OK debt-free. And I did it because I chose to make a financial decision that would set me on the right path. I don't see anywhere in scripture either where it says that we are supposed to, as a government, pay off everybody else's debts. You know? No, really? You don't see anywhere in scripture? Well, you just don't read scripture then, it sounds to me. 
I think it's Deuteronomy 15. Let's see. Uh, yeah, Deuteronomy 15. Let's see. Which verse is it? The year for canceling debts. Deuteronomy 15, 1 to 11. At the end of every seven years, you must cancel debts. This is how it's to be done. Every creditor shall cancel any loan they have made to a fellow Israelite. And who is the creditor in this case? The government. The government is the creditor. Huh. How about that? Every creditor must cancel debts. It is in scripture. Sounds like this dude. Well, you know what? Does this guy really not know? I'm thinking he knows. I'm thinking he just came out and said it knowing that it was false just because he wanted to be a propagandist. That's my guess, but who knows for sure supposed to, as a government, pay off everybody else's debts. You know, we talk about this element of forgiveness, and that's what the left likes to throw back at us sometimes. No, I'm just throwing back Deuteronomy 15. It's not about forgiveness. It's just Deuteronomy 15. It's right there, plain as day. Just saying. Whenever we're talking about financial decisions in government, but the reality is you have to look at the source of that. Who has the authority to be able to go in and actually give that forgiveness? The creditors. The creditors do. And that's the government in this case, because they're government subsidized student loans. That forgiveness. Jesus Christ, praise the Lord, forgave our sins. He has raised up leaders and allowed us to select those individuals who have written founding documents and constitution and the Bill of Rights. And this is completely juxtaposed to what our founders ever wanted. Okay, he's not using that word correct. Completely juxtaposed to what our founders wanted. I think he meant completely the complete antithesis to what they wanted, maybe. That's false also. But juxtapose just means compare, basically. This is completely compared to what the Founding Fathers wanted. Really? Okay. Go on. Let him cook. Let him cook. He's got something to say. Let's, let's hear him out. And this is completely juxtaposed to what our Founders ever wanted. We shouldn't be subsidizing this. Just absolutely nuts. From beginning to end, this dude, Jason Rapert, Gene Bailey, Kenneth Copeland, they're all nutter butters to the highest degree. How did they get into positions of power? This is nuts, dude. Oh, my God. I don't know, man. It's crazy, but I'll be damned if it's not entertaining to watch them just eat themselves alive with nut baggery and wing nuttery of all different sorts. Let me know what you think about it in the comments. Next, we're going to talk about the origins of Kenneth Copeland's ideology, Prosperity Gospel. Where did it come from? We'll be right back. Don't forget to check out my Patreon and check out my website and email list for early access to uncensored, ad-free, complete videos. All links are in the description. The media said Joe Biden's president. Ha 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 This is Kenneth Copeland, and he had said some absolutely wacky stuff over the years so i want to talk about him look at some of his older clips and talk about the ideology that he has and where it came from what it is exactly what is prosperity gospel and how did he come up with it or how did he come to the conclusion that it's correct at the very least but first let's watch the rest of this creepy ass clip i gotta tell you man i watched this entire clip beginning to end and your ass is gonna watch the whole thing with me Ha 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 
Okay, wow, that was disturbing and hilarious at the same time. My god, dude. That is just that is just disturbing. Holy Christ on a cracker. So what you're watching here, what happened is he was laughing that Joe Biden was going to be president. Of course, this is immediately after Joe Biden won the election and he hadn't been inaugurated yet. So, yeah, that that one came back to bite him now, didn't it? But what you're watching with him laughing that turned into a real laugh. This is a real phenomenon that happens with people. They did this test where they asked people to clean up dog shit forever ago, right? This is a scientific test that that was actually run. Now, half of this group was asked to clean it up while holding a pencil in their mouth, holding a pencil like this, right? Now, the group that held the pencil in their mouth rated the task as less miserable than the group that didn't have a pencil in their mouth. Why? Because what you do on the outside is reflected on the inside and vice versa. This is the entire basis for cult control methods. If they can make you believe or make you pretend to believe, make you act as though you believe something, you will believe that thing. And we're watching this happen with Kenneth Copeland. He was pretending to laugh, and then he started to real laugh. <laughs> See? That's how it works. This is He probably didn't even realize this is what was happening, but this is the root of all cult control mechanisms. Kind of fascinating. I thought it was an interesting deviation. But let's talk about some of Kenneth Copeland's other clips, because I, I really do want to talk about his ideology, his basis for his beliefs. So this is the belief, right? It's called prosperity gospel. Now, prosperity gospel, um, now I'll, I'll explain more about it in a second, but just watch this clip. This is from early March 2023. This gives you kind of a glimpse into what he believes, into the ideology. We didn't have any money. Yeah. And I thought, I've got to have some socks. And so I... God, I've never fiended for socks before. He must be dealing with something serious. Socks. And so I scraped together enough money, and I, and I, I went to the show. You know, it wasn't any Walmart yeah. back there then. I mean, yeah. I went to the store, and I heard the Lord, why don't you believe for socks? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Why don't you believe for socks, okay? My first thought was, can you do that? Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I thought, well, of course you can do that. <laughs> and I, I don't know, I, I sold, you know, 50 cents or yeah. something, whatever it was, for socks. Yeah. Dude, what is up with this guy's eyes? Seriously. It's like... I don't know. There's just something very, very wrong with his facial features. I, I don't feel like I'm attacking him here. I, I don't want to attack the guy's looks. That's not my intent. There's just something really, really wrong. It's like it's uncanny valley, right? It's not quite right. There's something just a little bit off about it. All right. So he sewed 50 cents. That's what he said a second ago, right? That means he took 50 cents, that's all he had, and he donated it to a ministry. Donated it to, like, the, you know, the donation box at a church or whatever, the the collection plate or whatever, okay? I don't know, I, I 
sewed, you know, 50 cents or something, yeah. whatever it was, for socks. Yeah. I got covered up in socks. Okay, covered up in socks. I don't know what the hell that means, but... Again, I, I think the guy's fiending for socks. Is this guy the sock gremlin that keeps stealing the socks from the dryer? Seriously? I've been trying to figure out who the hell it is, but yeah, I don't know. Somebody finished that joke for me. There's more to that. Anyways. All right. So the idea is prosperity gospel. What he's talking about here, the belief is that you can give God, quote unquote, a.k.a. Kenneth Copeland, your money, all of your money, everything you have and God will return it to you tenfold. So Kenneth Copeland donated 50 cents to who? I don't know, his own ministry? Who knows? He donates 50 cents, and God returned that to him in the form of socks, apparently. I got covered in socks. So uh, we're going to have to rewind all the way back to mid-May 2019. This video he did with Inside Edition, they chased him down to ask him about his comments he made regarding his private plane. He said he didn't want to ride commercial jets because it's like getting in a tube full of demons. And they chased him down to get answers. What did you mean by that? So on and so forth. And he gives us a glimpse into his prosperity gospel belief system. The idea that you can pay some amount of money to a ministry and get it back. Listen to what he had to say here, mid-May 2019. To those critics that say that a preacher should not be living a life of luxury. What is your response to that? They're wrong. Uh, okay. You're just going to say you're wrong and then give us a creepy smile here? Is that it? Really? They're wrong. Dead silence. And and a creepy-ass smile, dude. Okay. Uh. That's it? That it's a misunderstanding of the Bible. No, it's pretty clear. Jesus says it's easier for a camel to fit through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to get into heaven. Not easy to misinterpret. He seems to be managing it here. Of the Bible. That if you, if you go into the old covenant. Okay. Do you think the Jewish people believe you should be broke? The Oh, boy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's getting anti-Semitic up in this piece. We're about to go downhill quick, aren't we? Here's why I want to talk about this in the first place. I'm reading Kenneth Copeland's book at this moment on my Telltale Reads YouTube channel. His book is called The Law of Prosperity. It was written in 1974. It gets wacky, dude. But he's given me some insight into his ideology, into his belief system. There's actually a thing called prosperity gospel that's been around for like 100 150 years something like that it's a combination prosperity gospel is it's a combination of three different ideologies or three different belief systems okay it came from pentecostalism new thought which is basically what they called new age back in the day new age thinking like teal swan or spirit science you know healing crystals that kind of thing and American gospel of pragmatism, individualism, and upward mobility. So the American dream. It's a combination of the American dream, New Age beliefs, and Pentecostalism. That is what prosperity theology is, prosperity gospel. It really arose in the late 1800s, like 1880s is when it started to emerge. has a long history of 
pastors who have preached about it, but it really took off with like Todd White, Oral Roberts, uh, Robert Tilton, Joel Osteen, Creflo Dollar, Kenneth Copeland. These people in this generation are the ones that really pioneered it and made it big. So here's how it works. This is why the guy mentioned the, uh, the Old Testament, the Old Covenant here. Into the Old Covenant? Do you think the Jewish people believe you should be broke? Here's the idea. He thinks that God created a law of the universe, like the law of gravity or the law of whatever, any other thing, like the law of gravity. It's called the law of prosperity, and here's how it works. You give Kenneth Copeland money. God will return that money to you in direct proportion to how much you love him. So if you donate that money to Kenneth Copeland as a non-believer, you won't get a penny back. But if you believe in Jesus hard enough, you'll get all of it back. You'll get all of that money back tenfold. That's the belief. And he thinks that Jews worked out this system, you know, millennia ago with God. God told them, if you donate money to me or donate your time or your sacrifices or your whatever to me, then I will give you what you want back tenfold. That's the belief system. And Jews have known about this secret for millennia, and that's why they're rich and you're not. That's his belief. Now, the fact of the matter is Jewish people being rich is a trope. It's fake, okay? There are not a disproportionate number of Jewish people in the banking industry. There are not a disproportionate number of Jews in positions of power. This is all completely and totally made up. But he feeds into these tropes, into these beliefs that people already hold in an effort to bolster his own credibility. Honestly, kind of disgusting. So anyways, that's the belief system. And that's why he mentioned Jews in the Old Covenant. Do you think the Jews of the Old Testament were broke. He said that because he wants her to believe that they worked out this law of the universe with God. Here's a uh, convenient little implied message. Remember a minute ago I said, if you don't love Jesus enough, you won't get anything back? That's how Kenneth Copeland explains it when somebody donates their mortgage money to him and don't have the mortgage money to pay anymore. That's how he explains it. You didn't love Jesus enough. Oh, you donated your entire $75,000 loan you got from the bank to, to purchase this house and you didn't get everything back? Well, that's because you didn't love Jesus enough. It's your fault, not mine, yours. That's prosperity gospel. So keep listening to what he says here. Do you think the Jewish people believe you should be broke? The Bible also says that it's more difficult for a rich man to get into heaven than it is for a camel to get through the eye of a needle. Correct. Ooh boy, how's he going to answer this one? The rest of the scripture. But he said, all things are possible with God. <laughs> wow, dude. Okay, let me explain the context to that scripture. Jesus was talking to his disciples or his apostles or whatever the holy heck they were. And he said, it's easier for a camel to fit through the eye of a needle than a rich man to get into heaven. 
And they started complaining. They were like, what? Well, I have money. Like, am I not going to get into heaven then? And Jesus says, well, you know, he had to hedge. He's like, okay, well, you know, if you love God enough, then you can move a mountain. If you have the grain, uh, if you have the faith, the size of a, of a mustard seed. So by the transitive property, that would mean if you have enough faith, you can get into heaven even if you're rich. It was very clearly a verse that was not endorsing being rich at all. It was hedging. It was saying, even if you're rich, despite the fact that you're rich, you can get into heaven. But people like Kenneth Copeland and Kat Kerr, another televangelist, believe that if you are not rich, it's because you don't love God enough. That's a necessary component of being in good with God. If God loves you, if you have a good relationship with him, you will be rich. If you have a physical ailment, if you've caught COVID, if you lost your legs in an accident or something, it means that you didn't love God enough because God allowed that to happen to you. It's your fault. It's a convenient little way of suckering people's money right out of them and uh, and resolving that little problem of impotence versus evil. If there is a God and he's all-powerful, then he would not allow all of the suffering that we see around us. He would not allow children to go hungry in Africa. He would not allow parasites that, you know, whose whole life cycle is to burrow into your head and, and you know, eat you from in the inside out. Those parasites would not exist if there was a loving God. But in Kenneth Copeland's ideology and in Kat Kerr's, it's your fault if you're failing. It isn't that hard to not sin. Oh, yeah. She believes she hasn't sinned before. This is Kat Kerr, if you're unfamiliar. That's something that was claimed that only Jesus could do, not sin. But okay, that's a different thing. I live sin-free. You'd be surprised how many people want to argue about that. Yeah, because that kind of breaks Christianity's whole theology, but okay. Well, why are you arguing? What's in your soul? <laughs> Who cares about your wallet? What's in your soul? Here we go. This is it. If you had what's right in your soul, your wallet would be full already, people. Look at this smug look on her face, too. So that's the belief system in a nutshell. They believe that if you are not rich, it is because you are not holy enough. And that allowed them to place themselves on a different level than everybody else. They're more special than everyone else. Keep listening to Copeland here. And he said, if you study the, the Greek behind that, it's trusting. God, you know that you've lost an argument when you're trying to pull apart the semantics and all this stuff, right? It's trusting in wealth. When he said that, his disciples said, they were astonished out of measure because they were wealthy men. They were astonished out of measure saying, how can anyone be saved? He said, all things are possible. Okay, he wasn't saying it's virtuous to be rich. That's what Copeland believes, that it's virtuous to be rich. Jesus was saying it's a bad thing to be rich, but I guess anybody could be saved if you have 
faith the size of a mustard grain, then you can move a mountain. So whatever. Check this clip out. Mid-March 2020. This should form it out pretty clearly for you. This should tell you exactly what's on the forefront of this guy's mind 24-7. This is two or no, about a month after COVID really came to the shores of the U.S. and people were taking it seriously. Give or take a month after like the first cases were first reported and everyone was wearing masks and stuff like that, right? People were losing their jobs. They weren't going into work anymore. There were lockdowns being discussed. We were trying to flatten the curve. We didn't have a vaccine. We didn't have any medications for it. We didn't even know what the long-term effects were going to be. It was a big deal, and it was scary, right? So listen to Copeland, what he had to say to his audience in this trying time when people were afraid and they needed comfort and help. What did he say? Fear of this this coronavirus is, is faith in its ability to hurt you or kill you. Uh, <clears throat> the, 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 the fear of what are we going to do? Yeah, so this is before conspiracy theories arose or, or before they really took root anyways. I'm getting laid off at work. Hey, your job's not your source. If it is, you're in trouble. Jesus is your source. Whatever you do right now, don't you stop tithing. Mm. Don't you stop sowing offerings. Well, they won't let us go to church. Well, email it in there, text and give or something, but you get your tithe in that church. If you have to go take it down there and drop it off and unstick it under the door or something, right, you right. get that tithe in that church, you get that offering in that church, and then you go home and you do what we're supposed to do. Does it get more depraved than this, really? Even when people were losing their jobs en masse, even when people were at risk of dying of a, a deadly illness, he says, I don't care. You need to give me your money anyways. That's what's on the guy's mind 24-7. It's always money. He always finds a way to route the conversation back to money every single time. Is this really what Jesus wanted? Is this the message that Jesus preached? If this is what Jesus wanted and expected of people, why didn't he mention this supposed law of the universe even once? Why didn't he bring it up and point out how it works and get rich himself? Why did he have to split loaves and fishes to feed you know all those people rather than you know just Jesus walking up and donating a bunch of money to one of the synagogues and then the synagogue, you know, supplying everything. If this is a real law of the universe, why didn't Jesus use it even once? Logic is not a part of this equation with Kenneth Copeland. The only thing, the only component to this equation is you have money and I need to know how to get it into my bank account. Even when you don't have shit, even when you don't have anything, when you have almost not a single penny to your name. I want the very last penny that you have, even 50 cents. Remember what he said? I sowed 50 cents at the beginning of this. That's a subtle message. I want you to give me every last dime you have, even if it's 50 cents. Doesn't get much clearer than that. We know exactly what's on this guy's mind 24-7, and it's not Jesus. 
For what it's worth, though, it's not just money that he thinks he can control. The law of prosperity, that it, like the law of attraction, is not just about bringing cash in. It's also about physical prosperity and uh, financial prosperity and, uh, I don't know, emotional prosperity, all, all of it. It's about different types of success, basically. So if you donate money to the church, you will get that money back tenfold, is his belief. If you want to get cured of COVID, for example, all you have to do is donate money to the church and pray for that thing and God will deliver it. You'll be fine. That's his claim. And if you don't get it, it's because you didn't love God enough. Listen to the prediction that he made here. Mid-March 2021. This is the holiest of the holiest men on planet Earth in his mind, right? He has the strongest connection to God in humanity, he believes, because he's the richest televangelist there is. He's worth $750 million dollars. That means he must have been doing something that God really liked for God to give him all that money. So he's going to make a demand of God. He's going to ask God to do something for him. He's going to leverage his position with God as one of the holiest people alive to get something done. Mid-March 2021, one year after the pandemic started, basically. Yeah, uh, 13 months, give or take. In the name of Jesus. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Standing in the office of the prophet of God, I execute judgment on you, COVID-19. Oh, I execute judgment on you, oh. Satan, you destroyer, you killer, you get out, you break your power, you get off this nation. I demand Amen. judgment on you. I demand, oh. I demand, I demand. By the way, the guy on the right here, that's his uh, son-in-law. I don't know if you knew that. Terry Pearson's Copeland is his daughter's name. This is George Pearson's. I've talked about him a couple times. You can probably look him up on my website. Just type his name in the search bar, owenmorgan.com, and you'll see a bunch of videos about him. Anyway, keep listening here. I demand a vaccination to come immediately. Yes. A vaccination to come immediately. Fascinating. Well... That's really interesting because uh, a vaccination didn't come for like another 12 months, give or take. That's kind of funny, right? No, it's about uh, eight months, I think. This is March 2021. God, look at this dude's face. How does somebody's face come to the point that Kenneth Copeland's face is at right now? How does this happen? Anyways, a vaccine didn't come for a long time. And when it did finally come, he made all kinds of conspiratorial claims about it. Like it was taking people out and all this other garbage. So he prays for a vaccine to come immediately, immediately. That means now, right? I'll give him a month. I'll be super generous and say immediately means within 30 days. Still didn't happen. Holiest person on planet Earth in his mind believes he's capable of calling for God to blah, 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 whatever. And it never happened. It didn't happen, at least in the time that he claimed. And when it finally did, he claimed that it was fake and it was hurting people and all this other garbage. I mean, is the grift obvious yet? It should be obvious now, right? Does he even believe any of this? Or is this all fake? You know, it's not hard for me to believe that, or it's not hard for me to imagine a scenario where he convinces himself 
that if he donates this money to somebody, then this massive amount's going to come back to him. And so he continues getting, you know, studying the Bible and donating money to the church. And his ministry keeps growing and growing and growing until he's up to $750 million, right? It's not hard for me to imagine a scenario where he donated money and he thought that God loved him because God gave it back to him or something. It wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility for him to be a true believer. But I don't know. I don't know. I mean, so many claims from this guy that are so very obviously fake. Is he a true believer? It's so hard to tell. I call you done. I call you doggone. Call you doggone, okay? I mean, this is something that I would expect somebody to say while watching Murder, she wrote. You come down from your In place of authority, destroyer. You come down and you crawl on your oh, belly like God commanded you when he put his foot on your head in the Garden of Eden. Uh, did, did God put his foot on somebody's head in the Garden of Eden? I don't remember anything about that. You will destroy through COVID-19. No more! No more. No more. By the way, Satan wasn't in the Garden of Eden at any point. The story specifically says it was a snake. And God was so mad at snakes, he cursed them to walk on their bellies all their days. Was not Satan. It no more. Is your mom finished? Finish. I was close. It is over, and the United States of America is healed and well Thank you. again. Yeah, except it wasn't. It didn't fix anything. This is March 2021, okay? We're still not over it at the time that this is being uh, recorded. We're still dealing with COVID up to this moment. And this guy is seemingly convinced that it's over now. Check out this next clip. But I knew my covenant brother would come. Well, our God is more than enough, Commander Kelly. Yes, he is. Oops, sorry. Wrong clip. Didn't mean to play that one. That It, it was actually this one I wanted to watch. Yeah. Mid-March 2022, one year after that last video. So March 2020, he says, the COVID pandemic is hitting everybody and we're all afraid. But you know what? Whether you're laid off from your job or not, you are going to continue to tithe. A year later, March 2021, he declares COVID over in the name of God. March 2022, a year after that. Listen to this clip. And suddenly the Lord said this to me and I jumped up, ran in there and, and wrote it down. This disease called CODV-19. Called what? Disease called CODV. 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 Okay. Well, see, that's the problem. He's about to make a declaration about the wrong disease. See, God didn't know he was supposed to work on COVID-19. He thought he was working on CODV-19 at this guy's behest. Simple mistake. 19 will be over much sooner than you think. Christian. That's what he said last year. 
This is what he said literally one year before saying this. He said this exact same thing. I declare this over. And here we sit with him saying it all over again. You think Christian people all over this country praying have overwhelmed it. Overwhelmed it. Well, sorry to inform you, Kenneth, but as it turns out, you don't have magical powers. You didn't do shit. We're still dealing with this. Thanks for nothing. Give me all the glory, saith the Spirit of grace. Many and many, many people will come to know me through it. I'm still Lord over the nation. I'm on the throne, and faith in me changes things. <laughs> Just embarrassing. Sad and embarrassing. It, it's, so, it's so embarrassing, it's painful at this point. You want to talk about painfully embarrassing, though? Let's just watch the rest of that clip I pulled up by mistake a second ago. Mistake. This is a video from 1995. He's in a movie, as it turns out. Commander Kim. This is a dangerous mission. Dude, I honestly, no joke, I love the aesthetic. I think that's fantastic. This is a dangerous mission, Commander. But I knew my covenant brother would come. Well, our God is more than enough, Commander Kim. Yes, he is. Is everybody ready now? Yeah! Let's get it done. Let's get it done. Ride out for Jesus. Just painfully embarrassing, dude. I can't stand it. It's bad. Anyway, I don't know, dude. Let me know what you think about this in the comments. I think this is hilarious and sad at the same time. This dude is just something else. Copeland, if you didn't laugh along with me, you're in league with Satan, right? Oh, oh, yeah. Actually, Copeland did another a follow-up video to that. Oh, I can't play it now, but it's something else, dude. Holy shit. I don't know how anyone fell for his grift, honestly. Is it just me, or does Copeland's face look like a scary doll? Oh, absolutely. Something not quite right about his face. He was apologizing for laughing like a fucking Creeposaurus Rex in this video. And then he, he spoils it by smiling. You. I don't even know you, but I love you. Oh, please don't smile at me like that. I'm begging you, don't do it again. Why? Because I love Okay, yeah, creepy stuff, dude. <laughs> There's something not right about this, dude. I'm telling you. 1% goes to charity, 99% Kenneth Copeland's pocket. Oh, absolutely. I'm sure. Dude is just disgustingly rich. It, it's so ridiculous. Richest televangelist alive, I believe. And almost a billionaire. Almost a billionaire. Next, we're going to talk about televangelist Jim Baker getting upset that he's being mocked for the many, many scams he runs on his audience. We'll be right back. Don't forget to check out my Patreon and check out my website and email list for early access to uncensored, ad-free, complete videos. All links are in the description. I'm going to eat some more of this if you're not careful. Oh. Mmm. Mmm. Hey. Oh, good. Oh, my God. <clears throat> but something tells me he's lying about this being good. I get the impression he's completely fully... He's drinking soup out of a bucket, okay?
and trying to convince us it's good. Give me a break. This is Jim Baker. If you're unfamiliar, he's a famous televangelist. Went to jail back in, I think, the 80s for a bunch of stuff. Wire fraud. He's basically telling people that he was going to use their donations for something very specific. And then he lied. He took the donation money and spent it on whatever he wanted. And that's illegal. That's called wire fraud. So he goes to jail for, I think, seven years. And he appeals and he appeals and he appeals. And he eventually gets his conviction overturned on a technicality. The technicality was the judge said, you make Christianity look bad at the end of his trial. When he was all sentenced and everything, the judge said, you're disgusting. And he said, that's Christian persecution. The judge was obviously biased, and I deserve to get out of prison because he was so biased. And they let him out. So he was supposed to serve 15 years, I believe, and he only served seven. After his stint in prison, he gets out and starts another televangelist TV show and shills his products left and right. And that's what we're here to talk about today. Jim Baker's scammy products that he uses to grift, that he uses to scam people out of their hard-earned dollars. Check this out. Mid-August 2021, this isn't even his worst product. We're just going to we're going to start small, okay? Let's start small with the scammy products. Uh listen to what he had to say with this one. I'm just going to reiterate that I want you, when you order this $1,000, to do it in faith, to sow that $1,000 seed in faith, believing that this is part of your seed into the kingdom of God. You're doing something for the kingdom of God. And God is going to... Touching the world. They're touching the world. Literally. Mm -hmm. And so we're we're sending out the, the, what do you call the blanket again? Miracles happen. A $1,000 Miracles Happen blanket. $1,000 to Jim Baker's ministry. Ministry, quote unquote. And you get this Miracles Happen blanket. Just wait, it gets worse. So he's appealing to people to send him $1,000 for this blanket. Miracles Happen blanket. That blanket right there. There it is. That is just a... Sleep under it or do whatever you want to do with it. Hang it on the wall. <laughs> That'd be a great wall hanging. But uh, th- what else Lay do they get with finance. it, Nana? Lay it over your bills. Because oh, yes. healing of your finances. Lay it on your bills. Healing of your finances. Are you hearing this? So they're appealing to people who don't have the money to spend. They're appealing to people who have financial problems. And they're saying... Send us a thousand dollars and you will get it back. God will put this money into your bank account because you you give me money and God will replace it. That's their ideology. It's called prosperity gospel. Talked about it recently in a bit I did on Kenneth Copeland. If you want to search for it, just type prosperity gospel in my website, owenmorgan.com. It'll pop right up. I got a bunch of stuff on it. So he's trying to tell people if you give him a thousand dollars, God will give you $10,000 back and you get this stupid blanket that you can cover your bills with to pray over them. The grift is real. Uh, What else do they get with it, Nana? Lay it over your bills. Because healing of your finances. Put your wallet in there, your credit cards, all the bills. 
yeah. you know, house, the mortgage, put it on there. We're having Great houses stuff. paid off this week. Wow. This We're having houses paid off. This is a not so subtle message that you should give me your mortgage money and God will pay your bills off for you. God will pay the mortgage off if you just send it to me. You know, if God is just passing out money, why are you asking for money from me? Can't God just put this money in your bank account? I don't understand. Why do you need mine? This is the most scammy televangelist I think I've ever seen in my life. Mortgage? Put it on there. We're having houses paid off this week, wow. this, this last month and this month. And I'm like, hallelujah. Yes. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Yes. They're just depraved stuff, dude. Depraved stuff. How does it get lower than this? Here's another example of him being like one of the lowest people ever, in my opinion. He, during COVID, mid-February 2020, okay, COVID had just come to the shores of the United States. And we were doing our best to deal with it. Like, scary stuff. People are losing their jobs. They were losing their houses. They didn't know what to do. There were lockdowns. It was a mess. We didn't know if we should wear masks. We didn't know if we should stay inside completely. If it could be carried in on the mail. We had no idea. And what does Jim Baker do? Comes out here and tries to sell a fake scammy cure. He got in a lot of trouble for this one, too. He had to refund every penny that he made from this to everybody. Legally, he was sued by, I think, the FCC or the FTC or FDA. I don't know who. Somebody sued him. Some government organization forced him to return the money that he made from this silver solution he's about to hawk. Listen to this. Mid-February 2020, it was the month COVID came to our shores, started getting cases reported. This influenza that is now circling the globe, you're saying that silver solution would be effective. Well, let's say it hasn't been tested on this strain of the coronavirus, but it's been tested on other strains yeah. of the coronavirus and has been uh, able to eliminate it within 12 hours. No, no. Complete fabricated lie. And they knew it was a fabricated lie at the time. Jim Baker knows colloidal silver doesn't do shit for anybody. And he went out there and hawked it anyways to gullible suckers who were looking for a quick and easy solution to their problems and their fears to make them disappear. So Jim Baker starts selling this silver solution. It's just silver suspended in liquid. That's all it is. And you know what it actually does if you drink it or Whatever it is you do, I mean, some people like put it in their ears, drop in an eardropper or whatever. You know what actually happens if you consume this stuff? You turn into this guy. Really, this is 100% real. You turn blue. Your skin turns blue if you drink this stuff. This is him before. This is him after. And this is the stuff Jim Baker was hawking to cure COVID. I mean, you have to take the silver solution for like a long time for it to actually turn you blue. But lots of people, you know, this has happened to a lot of people. It's not just this one guy. This happens, you know, fairly commonly to gullible people who hear from, you know, people like Jim Baker that this silver solution is the cure to all of their ailments. All they have to do is drink silver and boom, just like that. They're safe from COVID, they're safe from the flu, from RSV, from pneumonia, everything. It's just a joke, dude. Just a joke. 
And the people who bought this silver solution to protect them from COVID are now the same ones who scream about the vaccine being evil. Real solutions are rejected. Fake solutions are accepted. Mind-blowing stuff, man. So anyway, yeah, he got in a lot of trouble for this one. His ministry almost disappeared again for doing this. In 12 hours. Yeah. Totally eliminated. Kills it. God, I can't believe he went out on air and said this. Deactivates it. Yeah. And then it boosts your immune system, so then you can support the recovery because when you kill the virus, then the immune system comes into action to clear it out. So you want... None of this makes any sense, but it doesn't do anything, actually. Oh, yeah, and the blue thing, Lord Falconis mentioned in the chat, this is permanent. Turning blue, this doesn't go away. This guy, I believe he's dead now. He's blue until the day he died. Do not drink colloidal silver. Don't. Don't do it. It's a bad idea. Trust me vibrant immune system as well as an ability to deactivate these viruses that's so good it would be good if it were real nothing he's saying is real how did he get away with this this is nuts it's like you can say anything on live tv and keep your doors open like i said he did get in a lot of trouble for that one but still okay so that brings us to the subject of our conversation tonight early march 2023 He feels persecuted right now, okay? He's upset. He is miffed, in fact. He'll go, he'll take that step. He's miffed because people are mocking him for the things that he sells. Listen to this. Oh, uh, let me give some context. This thing that he's holding here on screen is called a bonus bucket. And uh, it's basically a prepackaged freeze-dried food bucket that supplies, I don't know, 60 meals, allegedly, that you can use in the event of the rapture, the apocalypse. His theological belief is that everybody is going to go through a time of torment and torture and difficulty called Jacob's Trouble or the Tribulation before the rapture happens. So we're going to have to go through seven years of apocalypse before Christians are raptured to heaven. Now, that's not the same as every Christian. Greg Locke, for example, thinks that you'll go to heaven and then everybody else will suffer the apocalypse. So he preys on that fear in his audience by selling them bonus buckets. Buckets of freeze-dried meals, and the bucket, when you're done with it, can double as... A bathroom, basically. I'm dead serious. That's what he markets it as. Bonus buckets. So listen to him get absolutely miffed over the fact that people are mocking him for selling bonus buckets to his gullible suckers. I don't go to social media. No. Not for him. No. I I can use the excuse I'm too old to go there, but it's, it's, it's so bad. And so... But I, I just wanted to go. It's one of the biggest social media set, set up. So I heard, Mondo, that our show's on on the, that, that particular website. So I wanted to see how our show's being handled over there. So I went over there. Okay, so he, he discovers that people are laughing about the fact that he's grifting people out of every penny that they own. Go on. Handle over there. So I went over there, put in Jim Baker. Oh, that's the mistake right there. (laughs) I I try to teach him throughout the years. Never Google yourself. Never check on yourself. 
That's that's right. You should never Google yourself. It only ends badly. I, as far as I know, I think my reputation's pretty good for the most part. I don't think I've really done much to piss too many people off, but still, you know, there's a hate group for everybody out there, right? There, there isn't a single person who doesn't have a weird little group of people who hate them and are going to talk shit about them 24-7 and obsess over it. So, yeah, not a good idea to Google yourself. And in Jim Baker's case, probably an even worse idea. Google yourself. Oh, Never check on the, yourself the, because they lie. They depressed. make things the up. Lies, in between fake, my shows, horrible. it's evil. There's people who, uh, can I say, hate my guts. I mean, there oh, are people yeah. who oh, want yeah. to just look. I don't hate Jim Baker. He's just he's a scumbag. Okay, he very obviously takes advantage of everybody around him all the time, and that was determined by a court. He got charged with defrauding people who donated him. He's a fraud. Uh, he is, he's a fraud. He's a scam artist. He takes advantage of everybody around him, much like Donald Trump. So yeah, I don't hate him. I don't like wish death on him or anything. He just, he's a scumbag is all. Do anything to get rich, anything to separate a fool from his money. That's what this guy's all about. Guys, I mean, there are oh, people yeah. who oh, want yeah. to destroy <laughs> us. Oh yeah. And one of the well, I would love to see the ministry go under for everything that Jim Baker has done, like fleecing people for every penny while claiming that his silver will cure them of covid. Really? It does it get lower than that? That's bad, right? And one of the keys, one of the biggest onslaughts is this. The bonus buckets. One of the biggest thing they make fun of me about is the food buckets. Yeah, obviously. And, I mean, I couldn't believe it. Really? You can't believe it? This is unbelievable to you, huh? They have whole websites laughing, mocking, and... Because it's funny. And you cannot, you can't allow that stuff in your spirit, though. That, the <laughs> thing is, you can't... I, I'm just telling you, I believe it's satanic. It is. Satanic. Okay, interesting. There's that, possibly. I thought it would be an interesting exercise to just look a little compilation of this guy advertising his bonus buckets. Now, this is a compilation that spans across, you know, the 1990s all the way to now. This goes all the way back, as far as I can tell. Although, this is his new wife on the left. Uh, he used to be married to Tammy Faye Baker. Tammy Faye Baker, I believe, died of cancer in the late 90s. She divorced him when he went to jail, I think. And apparently she was honorable and honest and a decent person, from what I understand. A, a movie came out about her not too long ago. But anyways, so yeah, this is his new wife, so it can't be too old. Probably the 2000s, I'm guessing. This is his new ministry. Listen to, uh, listen to some of this compilation here. Dear God. Okay, the soup comes in six gallons of this, it weighs almost 50 pounds. I know you don't want to hear this, but I want to tell you, you're going to dream Jim Baker on TV, telling you, get ready. And you say, oh my God, why didn't I go and why didn't I order something? I'm going to eat some more of this if you're not careful. Oh. Hmm. Dude is literally drinking out of a bucket with a ladle. Mm. Hey. Oh, good. 
doesn't sound like he's enjoying it. Sounds like he's disgusted by it, right? Is it just me? Good. Oh my god. <coughs> he's coughing and stuff. You didn't have lunch, right? He <laughs> can't even handle it. This is hilarious. Oh my god. Wow. <coughs> oh, he puts it down. Oh, I guess he's not hungry anymore, huh? I thought you didn't eat lunch. What happened? Oh, that's funny, dude. Holy shit. This food is so good. It passes the official Mexican test. This is Mexican food that real-life Mexicans approve of. Real-life Mexicans, okay. You know, this is not gringo food. This is good. <laughs> is that a slur? I don't know if that's a slur. Should I cut that out? Wow, dude. Good food, and it is it is unbelievable. Yeah. One of the things we've done around here, we stick them under coffee tables mm -hmm. and end tables. You just stack them up and then put a cloth over them yeah. or, or get a, a piece of, a, you know, cardboard or, or a, a piece of plywood, mm -hmm. and you make a top, and then you just stack this food. You can have Wow, dude. He wants people to fill their living room with bonus buckets and use them as coffee tables and like entertainment centers and stuff. Can you imagine stacking the bonus buckets up and just leaving a TV shaped hole in between? Like, oh my God, dude, this is just embarrassing. Your whole living room with end tables and coffee tables made out of food buckets. Your whole living room, coffee tables, end table. Hell, make the couch out of them, right? Why not? Just do it. Yeah. This power goes out and there's no trucks running and the EMP bomb or whatever they're talking about for these last day events. This two gallon bucket mm -hmm. of packs of coffee. Yes. You could trade them for whatsoever you want. Trade them. Okay. You could probably get a new car. Get a new car with a, a bucket of coffee. See what he's doing? This is pure scam artistry, right? The guy is overselling what he has here when it's honestly basically completely worthless. And what are people going to do with all of this garbage anyways? You want real survival supplies? I'll tell you what you should get. You should get a what a 5 pound or a 5 gallon bucket of rice, 5 gallon bucket of beans, and you should get a a big stack of water containers. Those things, if you, you know, store them properly, they'll hold for years, a long, long, long time. And beans will provide you protein. It will at least be filler in between the other meals that you will hopefully be getting. I, I actually have that stuff just in case something happens. I'm, I'm in Manhattan. You don't realize this probably, but if the apocalypse happens, Manhattan is straight up fucked. We're not, you know, we're on an island here. You know, if the electricity went out or whatever, you're not getting off this island. You're dead, probably, because there are only like three exit points, basically. You know, certain number of bridges and, you know, too many people walking over the bridges at the same time, they're going to collapse and that's it. And they're not even bridges over top of rivers. These are technically not rivers on each side of Manhattan. This is the ocean. This isn't considered a river. The East River and the Hudson, they're, they're considered like straits or something because they open up directly into the ocean. So, um, yeah, I just I keep buckets of rice and beans around just in case something happens where the, 
supply chain breaks down like happened with COVID not too long ago, whatever. I'll tell you what I'm not buying. Jim Baker's bonus buckets, that's what. And I'm not stacking them up like they're a coffee table. And I'm not planning to trade them for a car at any point either. He's such a scam artist, dude. Whatsoever you want, that's it. You could probably get a new car. The, the Bible says they're going to eat their arms. The Bible says they're going to eat their babies. Then it says they're going to eat their children. That's what people do when they get hungry. <laughs> we have them. Dude, this is just pure, unadulterated, fear-mongering nonsense, right? Great. <laughs> we have the plan, you know. But the bartering, uh, like the food that we send out, those packets of yeah. food are going to be more valuable than gold. I want to take more valuable than gold. Invest in your future. Buy this is your 401k plan, honestly. No point in putting it in the bank. Just buy a bunch of bonus buckets, right? Why not? There's coming a day where the gold's not going to be valuable because you, if you can't eat it, it's not going to be valuable. I mean, there's certain things. Uh, I mean, I, I don't want to be crude, but I'm going to be anyway. I mean, toilet paper is going to be worth a lot of money. And then you have the potatoes, uh, mm -hmm. soup, mm -hmm. that heavy, heavy, heavy. Yeah, I guess he learned better than to try it out on, uh, like, on his show anymore, right? After nearly coughing up a lung because he's going to vomit. Oh, I loved that. That was fantastic. And, and then we have bananas. We have the chocolate pudding for dessert. Right. We use it for, <laughs> we bake cakes. We got enough stuff mm -hmm. to bake a cake now. And the bread, you can just put this on your bread. The bread is so sweet. You can add a little more sugar to that bread and you got cake. You got a, you got a morning cake, I'll tell you that, a coffee cake. And you put that chocolate on top. You can have parties when the world's coming apart. Come on, people. Oh my God, this is so cringy and terrible. But would you believe it if I told you it gets even worse? No fucking joke. Listen to this one. Come on, people, and get the junk, de-junk your house. Are you hearing me at all? Oh, yeah. And get up and down. De-junk your house. Get the old coffee table out. Get that old entertainment center out. Stack up buckets to put your TV on. Stack up buckets to rest your feet on, to put your coffee cup on in the morning. You shouldn't even have a coffee table. Hell, you shouldn't have a table. No kitchen tables. Get that thing out of there. Stack up buckets in its place. Wow. <laughs> I love summertime. I've got burgers made of beans. They're never fried. Oh, this is bad. All the chips and salsa to keep me warm way deep inside. That's what she said. <laughs> Yes, you say, Jim and Lori, help me be prepared today. Help me be prepared today. Jim and Lori helped me be prepared today. Wow, dude, this is bad. Be prepared for the apocalypse. Today for end times. Uh, I'm talking about end times. Oh my God, it's painful. You know, I used to listen to this song, like not this song, but you know, the original when I was little. I had an old cassette tape and a talk boy, I think is what it was called. I had a talk boy and I used to listen to that shit on road trips. 
Because we didn't have phones or computers or anything. All you had to do on a road trip was little crossword puzzles and listen to music on cassette tape. Old school. End times. Oh, I've got powdered food for a stormy day. Beets and spinach and blueberry and strawberries. Filtered water from Seychelles. To take the poisons away. Well, are they selling filtered water? That is such a ripoff. You can just buy, or you can just fill a container with clean water, just water straight from your tap right now, and put some drops of uh, water cleaner in it, and it will stay. You seal it; it'll stay good for five years. You use about a gallon of water per day per person, so. If you get five-gallon jugs, that should last a single person five days. That's the general calculation. I like that too much. I guess you'd say, Jim and Lori, help me be prepared today for end times. All these end times, end times. Do not clap for that. Did you hear those people clapping at the end? Shame on them. That's bad, dude. That is straight up fucking bad. How did how did he get to the point? Somebody so like ridiculous and scammy that he found himself in front of an audience of millions of people that he can sell this stuff to. This is crazy. I don't know, man. Let me know what you think. This is just nuts to me. Tell me what you think in the comments. Scott Weber, I keep staples and water around my house, but I live a quarter mile from a major fault line here in CA. Oh, I see. Staples. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, there's reason to prepare in some circumstances. Like uh, the power went out in West Virginia a while back for like days, and I had to, you know, search pretty hard to find a generator, but I did eventually find one. And, uh, you know, I kept a generator around after that just for good, good measure. I don't worry about generators here in New York City because all of the power lines are buried here. Um, there are no above ground power lines. So storms won't knock the power out usually. But, you know, foods, rice, beans, water, I like to keep that stuff around just in case. Almatadero, his Mexican food is an insult for Mexicans. <laughs> okay. He had real certified Mexicans on to determine that his Mexican food was real Mexican, okay? <laughs> you can't tell Jim Baker that his Mexicans aren't, don't know what they're talking about. No, I'm just playing. Yeah, I'm sure his Mexican food didn't look anything like, it looked like Americanized Mexican, right? Which is not real Mexican, but I don't know. I, I've never been to Mexico, so I can't say for sure. <laughs> Thanks, Alma Tadero, from a real Mexican. White rice and dry beans last forever, and it's dirt cheap. Yet people buy these buckets of toxic slop, uh, hoping it will get them to heaven. Yeah, absolutely, Emily Segment. It's ridiculous and embarrassing. He's just suckering people out of their money. I mean, uh, at least they're getting something back for their money, unlike this stupid fucking blanket. A $1,000 blanket, really. That's all I've got for you. If you like what I do and you want to see me continue to do it, don't forget to check me out on Patreon and take a look at my YouTube channels. Owen Morgan, where I talk about religious issues. Telltale Fireside Chat, where I talk about politics. 
Telltale Unfiltered, where I do long-form breakdowns of stuff like this, and Telltale Reads, where I read books by televangelists and others. I release everything in parts, but every part stands independently of the last, so you can jump in anywhere and I'll make sure it makes sense. You can find some ad-free, uncensored, complete versions of all my videos on my website, owenmorgan.com. And while you're there, don't forget to sign up for my email list to get early access to everything. All links are in the description. Okay, thanks for watching, guys.